You're listening to Once, episode 192, Heart of Gold. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm recording this live from Las Vegas right now, and we have a special guest with us. Hi, my name is Addie Salcido. I'm from Beyond Storybook Podcast, also based on Once Upon a Time. Beyond Storybook is a podcast on Golden Spiral Media, a friend of Noodle Mix Network, hosted or run by Daryl Darnell. And... We were just about to record this podcast here, and I saw Addie, and I realized, hey, I asked her, did you see the latest episode? Do you want to talk about it? And so I thought this would be a great moment for her to join us for a little bit of this conversation. And so let's get into this. And you said it's uh, beyondstorybrook.com? Yes. Awesome. So check out that. It's another great Once Upon a Time podcast. We're friends with the, quote, (laughs) competitors. So check it out. Let's get into talking about this episode, though. Speaking of competitors, Zelina versus Rumpel versus Robin versus like everybody. Right. (laughs) First of all, what did you think when you saw Zelina has been disguised as Marion? What were your thoughts, Jeremy? Uh, I didn't see it coming at all, even though I too had been spoiled about Zelina's return. I even thought for a moment that maybe after the title card scene the Emerald City that maybe she was just going to be in flashbacks Um, but honestly at first the way they explained it and they kept showing flashbacks I thought hmm this is starting to feel like squid ink but honestly I was never happy with the end of Zelina and looking back I went back and I watched the scene where we thought she died and there was even more to it than I had remembered. It all, it just works so well. Uh, it just, it does, it, it's almost a relief, I guess. <laughs> because it's the only sort of satisfying-ish resolution that puts Robin and Regina together. Yeah, I do really like that aspect of it. Addie, what did you think? I'm with you, Jeremy. Uh, we didn't, and I, when I say we, me and my co-host, Trina, who's also on Beyond the Storybrook, We weren't satisfied with how Zelina left. And my co-host always said, she's not done yet. She's coming back. And I had no spoiler alerts at all. I I just always thought, okay, something's going on here because we have Regina having nightmares about Zelina. And when this this happened, I was like, wow, okay, she's back. And to see her, the power that she has over Rumpel is amazing. Yeah, and you mentioned the nightmares, and now it makes sense. When Regina was saying, get away from him, yeah. that was Zelina she was attacking. It's starting to come together. That, yeah. that was a huge puzzle for me that I didn't understand. And this, I didn't know she was going to come back. So when she came back and we see her take hold of the story, of she was uh, Marianne the whole time. Wow. And Jeremy, you may remember our discussing that ending to Zelina and saying something like, since when does magic smoke or dust from a dead person turn into smoke that then opens the portal? And we... What was it we came up with? We just said something like it was a remnant (laughs) of her magic? I think? Well, 
Yeah, we you know we tried to explain things away because um, we had lost faith, I suppose, in <laughs> some of the writing continuity. Uh, and I I did go back, like I said, and watch the clip, and we can even link to the clip in the show notes. But uh, after Rumple stabbed her and she kind of shattered and then turned to dust, they actually went and showed the box where her pendant, which they had said her life force was linked to the pendant and the smoke actually came from that and we totally thought going into that two hour finale that followed that she had gone back in time and was going to do something and it was a huge letdown frankly when she didn't even play a part yeah and so now like I said in the initial reactions this gives me a lot more respect for the writing and the story arc here that here they hid something from us the whole time. Yeah, and I love that. To be surprised. I love being surprised like this. And mm-hmm. I, she is just, oh, so utterly wicked in this. And the way she <laughs> treats Rumple, it's like, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, ew. Yeah. She comes back. I, I don't, I know Zelina has always been evil. And I think she's one of the villains where I felt very threatened for our characters. <laughs> and we have her here and how she comes back. She is attacking the number one villain that everybody faces and what she's doing he, at his deathbed pretty much and that, that that's Zelina is I think the true villain for me on this one I want to give credit to our forum moderator Matthew Paul because way back in season three he theorized this and I think no one believed him or just thought, oh, that's crazy. But he theorized that Zelina was actually Marion, or Marion was actually Zelina. Wow. And so big credit to Matthew Paul. And that was before there were spoilers that Zelina would be returning. That was long before this episode title was even released, let alone recorded or scripted or, or at least like the script teasers or anything like that. How do you guys feel about that, though, that being tricked that that was Zelina the whole time? I love it. Because remember, she she almost died too at the hands of, um, I'm sorry, the Snow Queen. Yeah. She almost died. Yeah. She was getting frozen. So that kind of brought me like, wow, was that Zelina the whole time? Did she have the power to escape that for a second? I, that that kind of brings up some questions of what Marianne had to face herself. Yeah. So Zelina became. I've been wondering if maybe she didn't even. Maybe she was... I mean, she, how could she pretend that? She didn't even know she was being cursed. <laughs> so maybe it was real. Mm-hmm. Well, but I had the same question. Like, did she... Was she faking it just to keep up her cover? Because she was kind yeah. of in the deep freeze for a lot of the beginning of the season. Oh, yeah. We didn't see her for, I think, towards the end. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe that kind of... Too bad they saved her. <laughs> oh, bummer. Yeah. All of that. And you saved the wrong person. Right. But I love it. I mean, we can, you know, rave about that for a while, but let's talk about how this plays out. It, in one way, it's making me feel like this could be a series finale. Now, speaking of finale, we did receive the finale date for Once Upon a Time. There will be a two-hour finale event airing on May 10th. So plan for our finale party in the greater Cincinnati area. might be in northern Kentucky, but that's near Cincinnati. We'll be doing something, releasing details soon uh, on that, now that we have a date for that. But it does make me also wonder, could this be a series finale? Because they're bringing a villain back. And 
Rumple is all about saying, I want happy endings. He wants several happy endings. It almost feels <laughs> like, what if like all of the villains start coming out of the woodwork yeah. trying to get their happy endings? Yeah, we have to always pay attention to his wording. And that's with, with Rumpel, I've learned that his wording, happy endings. I was like, uh-oh, we're, we're in big trouble here. Or if I may quote specifically, a whole bunch of new happy endings. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe, maybe the author can write him some more Mr. Gold-like dialogue to go along with that. I really liked that not only were we surprised, but Rumpel was surprised. It's not often that a character gets one on Rumpel. Yeah. And to see his shock and horror at this made me a little bit sympathetic to him, even though he's the villain again. But just to realize, here's this wicked villain. And he's at his weakest point. He can't do anything. He's at the hands of this villain. That I think I'm with you on that as well. Do you guys get the impression that Rumpel is basically dying maybe of like the super old age, not just the lack of magic? Like it's all kind of catching up to him now that he's without magic, or at least during the short time that he was in New York? Well, has that carried on? Because I, I kind of feel like something's going on with him even when he's back in Storybrooke. Has that carried on somehow? Has it, is there a certain, maybe an illness that he can't get rid of because he went back to the real world? That's a good point. So see, what bugs me about this whole thing is he's trying to say that it's just his, that it's a moral problem, that it's a, all the evil deeds he's done, which, you know, there could be some physiological truth to that, but then the doctors would still be right about what's wrong with him. But he's trying to make it sound almost like it's a sort of enchanted forest thing, which to me would require magic, just like the curse on who we thought was Marion required magic to even be deadly. So leaving Storybrooke, if it's all sort of the effects of doing evil in an enchanted world, I really don't think it should have any effect on him. Plus, he was in a land without magic for the whole entire time the curse was in effect in Storybrooke. So why didn't it get him then? Just has he done that many more terrible things since then? I guess he has, but... Yeah, because look at his motivation. When he first started all of this, he was trying to get his son. And that's what it was all about, is finding his son, not about, you know, seeking revenge and his own selfish... I mean, not necessarily... Somewhat selfish, yes, but also finding his son. You know, it's not really selfish to find your child and try to save your child. That's not selfish. Yes, you can say there is some selfishness to it, but really you're trying to save another life. Now he's pure selfishness. Any Easter egg in this episode was when we see New York and how loud it is, we hear the guy with the New York accent saying, hey, I'm walking here. That line... That was so weird. Well, that's a famous line. It came from the 1969 movie Midnight Cowboy, and it was actually an ad-libbed line. There were two gentlemen. It's one of the famous ad-libbed lines, and it became this whole meme before there were internet memes. But it was ad-libbed that they were recording this movie, Midnight Cowboy, and these two actors were walking across the street, and a taxi cab almost hit these guys. And the cab driver didn't know there was a movie being filmed, I think, and almost hit the main actor and the actor just rolled with it and slapped the car and said hey I'm walking here 
and then for them to use that here inside of Once Upon a Time is a really neat little Easter egg and things that you know. Yeah, it's a little like, golden oh. nugget. I would have known that. So, Addie, tell us again where we can find your podcast and what's your approach to Once Upon a Time. Uh, you can find our podcast. It's Beyond Storybrook, and you can find it at beyondstorybrook.com. That is part of the Golden Spiral Media Network, and we pretty much take a lot of theories. We, we dive in to see what did they feed us this week. And can we dissect it? Are we reading in too much to it? Hey, maybe. But we just like to go and in, in deep into these relationships between the characters, the writers, and us as a viewer. And how I, I, I personally, um, I always kind of laugh at this with my co-host. I love to get the life lessons out of it as well. So uh, that's our pretty much our take over at Beyond Storybrook. Cool. So check it out at beyondstorybrook.com. And Addie, thank you very much for joining us for this little bit. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to have you on for a little while. Thank you. Awesome. So check that out at beyondstorybrook.com. Hey, and before we move on to discussing some of the other themes that we want to pull from this episode, I want to thank some other people who made this episode possible for your kind donations. We really could not do this podcast without you. Like, your donations have enabled us to do things like buy the extra microphone so Jeremy could have a microphone to participate in this (laughs) podcast. So I hope you're grateful for Jeremy's participation. But we are grateful for those who donated to this episode. And those are David Newland, Steve Johnson, Lisa Slack, Tracy Anderson, Daniel Clark, Aaron O, and our 15 backers on Patreon. Thank you very much. Really, seriously, literally everything. We could not do this podcast without you. If you would like to be a supporter of the podcast, you can go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor and make a one-time donation, an automatic monthly donation, which is what helps us the best, or even a per-episode donation via Patreon. That's at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Or if you want to just do your shopping on Amazon, go to that site, click on our Amazon banner, and then do your shopping on Amazon. It won't cost you anything extra, but then it gives us a percentage of the sale back, and it's a great way to support the podcast. That's all at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And thank you, David, Steve, Lisa, Tracy, Daniel, Aaron, and our 15 Patreon backers. Thank you. You're awesome. So let's talk about the way this episode started with Emma and Mary Margaret and David all talking there. What are you seeing here in the development of the characters, Jeremy? Uh, hmm. I I think development would be an overstatement. (laughs) I, you know, we've had the Charmings agonizing for weeks over this whole thing. And then, you know, they've had the moment. They've sort of confessed to Emma what they did and that they've been lying. They didn't really get any time to process it. So I suppose their reaction is possibly kind of real, but they're suddenly chasing after her and justifying it every direction they can. And I thought it was a little bit inconsistent with how they seemed to feel about what they did. Yeah. And what they said about ensuring that she was the savior reminds me of a very similar thing that Mary Margaret had said to Regina about because of us, Maleficent lost our baby. And here... Mary Margaret's saying to Emma, because of us and because of this. And it it seemed really tied together in the way that she worded that. And it is kind of tied together where uh, it's because of the author that they went on that track. But still, I like that Emma pointed it out that still, hey, you guys still had responsibility and you still did this. You're still responsible for the wrong that you did. They said that the author manipulated them, but I'm not sure if they understand yet just how much. Right. And do we really even understand just how much 
power the author has. Right. We know that he wrote that into the story, and apparently even The Apprentice thought that he was made to do something by the author. But I have a feeling the Charmings were possibly only referring to having met him on the road. Well, what do you think... What kind of power will the author have in Storybrook? Because he apparently has a quill now, and he's going to be writing stories for Rumpel. Right, and I... I don't know how I feel about that. A bunch of happy endings. Why would Rumble ask for a bunch unless he's actually caring for his fellow villains? Why would Rumple say the words a bunch at all? Maybe he's also thinking, (laughs) okay, it's time that all of us villains, anyone who who is a villain at any point, it's time for us to get our happy endings and you owe all of us a happy ending. So he's kind of representing all of the villains. They've unionized. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe. I was, I guess, thinking he already kind of had a few. He had, I guess, himself, Regina, um, Ursula. Yeah. Well, Ursula kind of got hers, so uh, thus proving they didn't need that. We now know, yeah, Zelina and Cruella and Maleficent. Yeah. I'm thinking of- And Lily. I'm thinking of some of the other villains that we've had in past episodes, like Peter Pan. Yeah, but what does he care about them? Well, yeah, and, and me, many of them are definitely dead. Let's please say dead is dead. I mean, I'm okay with the way they brought Zelina back, because what I see in that case is she never was really dead, and we even questioned that back then. So I'm okay with that. I'm not saying they're resurrecting her. But right. for these others, if they brought Peter Pan back, or if they brought back Cora, then I would say, okay, you guys are... You're off the boat on this one. What about Gold and Regina's relationship going on here? Yeah, we didn't see a whole lot of it, but it's it's sort of as if when he talks to her, he doesn't have this completely cold-hearted hatred, but just like always, he considers her vital in some way to his plan, and he's going to do what it takes, which I guess means threatening Robin. He said he had affections for her. And that's probably, I'm thinking, just like respect or friendship or, you know, something neutral, completely neutral like that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not anything. We're not in a, we're not looking at a weird (laughs) villain love triangle here. Former villain. You know, just a little side note here, because this has happened a couple (laughs) times, and this is going to totally make someone's day. We have a listener named Aurora, and now I suddenly have her attention. But uh, she, her parents have been at several of these events I've attended recently. They were at San Diego, and they're here in Las Vegas right now. And here in Las Vegas, they asked me a question that they recorded for Aurora, uh, and that is, do I think the series is over And I started saying, well, yeah, I think this could be the last season of the series. And I started giving these ridiculous reasons. Like, yeah, when they set up Emma to go run off uh, romantically with Rumpel, I thought that was an indication that the series is going to be over. (laughs) And when they killed Henry, and I was just laying out these fake spoilers and saying, yeah, someone's going to laugh about this. When they killed Henry. (laughs) (laughs) But side note there. And we just totally made Aurora's day now. Looking at the way that Rumpel is acting now, I really see that, yeah... He has no limits now. He has no morals left. It's all about him and his happy endings. 
I think this is the most dangerous rumple we're going to see. Because now there are no consequences. He feels like he's got this free pass now, or the possibility of a free pass. You know, do pass go, do collect $200, do not go to jail. But yet, at the same time, he also seems to know that something's not going to work out. And so it's kind of like maybe he realizes that he has a limited amount of time left. And in that last amount of time, he's going to try one last attempt at getting his happy endings. And he may feel like he has absolutely nothing left to lose. So who cares what he does? So I guess he thinks that he can, that he can have everything, just like they always think. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know what the point is. I mean, he had... It's funny, it's kind of it's kind of woven interestingly because we thought he was just doing this, but I'm not sure he would have gone back to Storybrooke if it weren't for Zelina. And Zelina's holding his life over his head, kind of. Right. So is he doing this kind of for her so that maybe he'll live but also have a happy ending? Yeah, I think so. But... It has nothing to do with the memory of Neil. Like, even he did not want Neil's things. And co- contrast right. that with back in episode um, eight, Desperate Souls of Once Upon a Time, in the first season, when he gave Emma Graham's things, and he was very sentimental. Uh, we could see it. We could tell that you know he had lost, and that was the episode where we met Bay for the first time. And uh, we could see that he was basically saying, you know, you want these things. You need to hold on to these things and not lose them. Contrast that now with here, his son's stuff is being offered to him by Robin and he says, no. So it really seems like he's throwing everything out and just going after his own desires. Although, to be fair, they weren't, he kind of explained why they represented a part of Neil's life where he was Neil and yeah, not Balefire and it just felt like a failure to him, which, yeah, it was. So, <laughs> Yeah, that does make a lot of sense, too. But he doesn't seem to have much regard. Well, he's never had much regard for anyone, but I get the sense he doesn't, he doesn't care about Henry. Not anymore. Maybe. He seems to care about Belle, but he's never really been able to love her more than himself. He cared about Henry earlier when... Uh, when the Snow Queen was going to cast the curse because he had said that he wanted to take Belle and Henry out of town. Well, you know, who knows? Maybe he, <laughs> this is kind of weird, but maybe he sees Henry as a second chance to be a father or like in that morbid kind of insane way of you're going to replace the son I lost. You you are actually my son because you're replacing him. That kind of, you know what I'm talking about? Like the crazy sort of thing? <laughs> Uh, Well, yeah, I never really got that from him. I think that he definitely understands that Henry is his grandson. Still kind of toyed with impaling him on some sharp rocks. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Thought about maybe taking him out of town, but really didn't care where he was. In reality, he didn't seem to. I guess he kind of sent Hook after him. I don't know. He's not really been the best uh, relative of any position. Yeah. But uh, at least we now know why Gold didn't go live in Neil's apartment. Yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. That was kind of a question. I hadn't thought about that before. But what I want to know is why, when people leave Storybrooke, do they feel they have to go to the hardest place possibly on Earth just about to live 
if you aren't even used to this world and you're used to kind of like a countryside. <laughs> yeah. Why would you go to New York? How do you even get to New York when you leave Storybrooke you know, I, if you don't even know, like you've never driven a car? I don't understand. I guess it's like there are two destinations from a land with magic. The two destinations in a land without magic are Storybrooke and New York or Boston. It's somewhere, Storybrooke <laughs> and some major city. I loved the line, if this is New York, I'd hate to see the old one. <laughs> yes. Still on the New York track. I question who's paying the rent on Neil's apartment and why Walsh's shop is still sitting there with all his stuff in it. Automatic electronic <laughs> fund transfer. EFT. That's how. <laughs> Probably just some From bank account what? sitting somewhere for these people. And that's their <laughs> savings and their bills are automatically being paid from their bank accounts. Bill well, pay. Okay. Automatic bill pay. That's probably how. Automatic bill pay. Well, all right then. Uh, now, you know, so these flashbacks that we've seen in this one of New York City, the nine weeks ago stuff, that's all. And that actually gives us a little bit of a timeline for this season now that I think about it. But this was all before he sought out Ursula and Cruella. So really, Zelina has been kind of behind that whole thing in a roundabout way from the beginning. Hmm. Yeah, true. Zelina might have maybe helped him find Ursula. Oh, that could be. Although he's resourceful enough that he probably found her on his own. And he did kind of need a place to live once he got out of the hospital. And noodles <laughs> and a bathrobe. <laughs> right. What was interesting is that when he did leave the hospital, he tried to get robin in a way to go back to regina but he was still too cowardly to tell robin what selena was doing mm-hmm. but he sort of he sort of tried to encourage him now nine weeks later we see him instead sort of holding robin hostage in a sense it's it's sort of a love hate thing going on in a way like i see him concerned in a friendship sort of way for Regina, but at the same time threatening her with his concern. It's like he loves and hates. They're frenemies, really. <laughs> uh, they're users. Well, he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Regina, I have no idea how to interpret that range of facial expressions she made at the end. Oh, yeah. With the ultimate, what is she going to choose? The savior or her love? She was tortured, and then she made that face, and I couldn't tell... <laughs> what that face was. It sure looked like Evil Queen face, but that could mean anything. Yeah, and I know they wanted us to be on a, a cliffhanger there to wonder what is she going to choose? And what do you think she'll choose? I think that she'll, however genuinely or not, she'll go along with what he's asking her to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not going to trust her and she's not going to be totally on board with whatever she loves robin but i don't know i think uh i wonder if her dream might have been a premonition in a sense because Zelina could easily look like regina for one reason or another yeah so at some point but i don't know if that means they would end up back in storybrook but as far as what she does i i mean what would what could you do in that situation how do you just pick right there she's gonna do the thing that doesn't get anyone killed in that moment and then figure something else out yeah, so she's taking the third option, basically. The option that wasn't offered or some way that she's going to right. manipulate this. And I want to see her get her happy ending, especially now that she has the 
I'll put it this way, the moral freedom to, because we had this struggle of, wait, Marion's there, so Robin should really do the honorable thing, and we've seen him struggle with that and fail in some ways, but then ultimately decide to do the honorable thing. And it's awesome. I'm sure, like, all of the, the Robin, the, the uh, I forget the ship name now, but all of the Robin and Regina fans probably cheered when they realized, yes, well, <laughs> Marion is dead, yay! <laughs> that was sad, though. She yeah. did die when he thought. Uh, the way she died was pretty brutal in one way, but at the same time, I had a little bit of a problem with it because we've seen Zelina and others try to kill people with fireballs and flying monkeys and all sorts of weapons and henchmen. Well, if these magic people can just wave their hands and evaporate people... I mean, is that not too much? A little too much magic? <laughs> Who could possibly stand in her way if she could just oh, yeah. sort of dissolve them? Yeah, that's true. It was cool to go back to Oz, although it felt a little out of place until they tied it together with seeing Zelina again. And so I think that justified it a little bit more. But it really confuses me about like Will and Robin's relationship. And this is the start of that relationship. But where is Will? in this life was he lying to Robin when Will told Robin about the broken heart and his sister that sounds like a lie to me see I thought that was real weird because I I couldn't really place this on Will's timeline either you know having watched Once Upon a Time in Wonderland and knowing about Anastasia I would think if he had a broken heart she would be why depending on when this was right but he did end up getting that potion so if He did, and what did you think? How did that scene play out? Because I thought one thing the first time and a different thing the second. Well, I think uh, Robin got the potion, and Will pickpocketed him, and Will got the potion. But one thing I want to question here is, was that really the potion to begin with? Was it just no, cough well, syrup again? Here's where, that's what I thought the first time, and here's what happened when I, when I rewatched it. Because there were a couple things that didn't make sense. So they hug. We think Will pickpockets him. That's kind of what I was expecting. Will goes to sit down. And then he's surprised by what's in his pocket. Like it bugs him. And he pulls it out. And he, I forget what he muttered. But, you know, something to the effect of, you sneak. (laughs) So I think Robin gave it to him. So you think Robin was a put puck? Oh. That means oh, pocketer. I, I like. I didn't even look see it that way, but I can see it that way now. Right after this was when Robin was talking about rob from the rich to give to the poor. You know, rob basically give to those who are in need, which makes more sense now because he saw that Will was in need, in more need than him, and we never saw him back in Enchanted Forest, disappointed that he didn't have the potion. And I, I think the only thing that made that particularly strange was the way Will stopped when Robin spoke to him before he left. It made Will look suspicious. Yeah. But the, the thing is, plus it makes Robin a lot more honorable. Yeah. I, I questioned Robin's honor a lot during this episode because uh, they, they tried to define this strange code and this strange sense of honor that I was not buying. Right. Robin Hood's always been questionable anyway, in some ways, except that the money being taken in kind of the... I don't know what the traditional story is, but I suppose I'm most familiar with the Disney story. 
but but traditionally Robin Hood stories have always been the people were sort of being robbed by a tax collector. Right. By the king, and so that wealth was being taken and redistributed. And I I don't I don't know, frankly, that that still <laughs> makes stealing okay. Yeah, but the I know. way they tried to wrap it up into nice little morals that could go into children's bedtime stories in this episode was kind of bothersome to me. Yeah, that vial or that little distributor for the potion said on it. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. Cor at more, which is Latin for heart or death, and oh, wow. it implies your choices between the heart. Uh, like moral values, duty, loyalty, and such, or death. And I wonder if that's something to do with the potion, is that the potion is almost a test and not just directly the actual solution. I don't know. I suppose we have yet to see anyone actually take it. Yeah, that's true. Other than Rumpel, and that was just cough syrup. Right. That's (laughs) our world's potion. (laughs) And we wow. see that this is where Robin got the bow, that any arrow fired from it always hits its mark. Right. So it was just something that the wizard, fake wizard, Walsh wizard had. Yeah. Now, how did it fall into Robin's code to steal the six-leaf clover? Robin stole the... Oh. I think that might and have been the sort of thing like... Uh, rob from the rich and give to the poor perspective, maybe? Yeah, except it was kind of like rich in what and I guess I'm the poor. Yeah. Plus, yeah, he was stealing for himself too, which even by his own little trite comment at the end is sort of wrong. Oh. Was it not? The, it wasn't the only one, was it? No, it wasn't, but it, no, it now makes total sense. He stole that. He probably gave it to Marion. Marion had it on her. Zelina found it, and that's how Zelina was able to disguise herself as Marion because Zelina discovered Marion's got this thing on her. I can use that. And so Zelina didn't have to go back to, to Oz in order to get that six-leaf clover. It was right there. So I think they showed right. his stealing it so that we know how Marion and, by extension, Zelina ended up with it. Right. Which I hadn't even realized that was a problem. Because I just thought, well, Zelina, Oz, uh, of course she had one with her. But, yeah, that kind of solves that. Uh, I do question how Zelina got a body back in order to transform into Marion. But maybe they'll explain that part. Maybe they won't. I wonder if it had something to do with her turning to porcelain like that. That that's part of a curse that turns her body into a gaseous mass and... Maybe, like, her turning into the porcelain was not the result of getting stabbed, but she made herself. Like, she's like, oh, no, I'm getting stabbed. I'll turn into a porcelain doll and wisp away. (laughs) (laughs) Like you do. Hmm. It's funny that it seems people in Oz just get crushed. (laughs) They get crushed by houses. They get crushed by doors. They get crushed by was, <laughs> all kinds of things. I didn't understand that either. I mean, I, I kind of got it, but I guess the door came out of somewhere and landed there. Yeah. It looked like the hat confusing. door, really. Which, does the hat it door did. crush people, or was it just, like, knocked him back? Because it sounded like they implied that he wasn't killed, the guard wasn't killed, he was just knocked unconscious. 
Well, true. I mean, we don't kill people anymore. That's right. So passe. Dead is dead, but let's try to avoid anybody being dead. (laughs) We got this feedback from Chris Tipton saying, so good to finally get Robin's backstory. It was cool that they went way back to even before he was Robin Hood. I like the twist that he already was married to Marion and she worked with him. Before this episode, I didn't really care for them as a couple. And after this episode, I would really shift them. And it's a shame she's dead. And, you know, I agree. Their, their love and their joy of being together was so obvious in the past that it makes it even more painful to realize, oh, Marion is actually dead. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. It, it was a very quick little death scene, but it was, I thought it was very sad. And Chris also does agree, stealing is wrong no matter what the reason is. Yeah, and I think that's what I didn't like about what they did with Robin's character in this episode, saying things like, thieving is in my blood. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's a terrible character flaw. That's not a hero. Yeah. Then he stands there and and sort of says, what I learned was when you steal for yourself, that makes you a thief. But when you steal for someone else, that makes you a hero. So, I mean, if we do buy that, though, um, I mean, if any of you out there want to be heroes and get us a TV or two, <laughs> you know, you don't even have to donate. Yeah. You can just be a hero. We do not endorse stealing, though, even for us. Just kidding. You can Obviously. just send donations. Once slash sponsor. But please don't steal from someone to donate to Your us. Your own money. Don't steal the money that you send. <laughs> Speaking of thieves... Think outside of characters we've already seen on Once Upon a Time. What is a popular thief in Disney stories and fairy tales that we've seen besides Robin Hood? Uh-huh. Aladdin. There was an Aladdin reference uh-huh. in this and maybe a possible oh. tease at something. Brianna had sent this in. It's just a couple screenshots of um, a spot where when Robin was outside, there was this blue wall behind him, a blue sign lit up, and it was a sign for Aladdin on Broadway. And that might be a hint that maybe we'll get Aladdin involved. Maybe like the next season, if there is a next season, or maybe another character, or maybe it was just something cool they decided to use. But it is definitely (laughs) the poster for Aladdin on Broadway. Well, maybe he can meet Robin and tell Robin, dude, uh, yeah, I stole when I was starving, and once I didn't have to do that anymore, just stop. You don't have to be a thief. You're acting like a street rat. We would love to hear also what you thought about some of these things that we brought up. We couldn't get into our really in-depth full discussion because of the time I have here in Las Vegas and the scheduling and complications of editing and publishing the episode and everything, but please continue the conversation by commenting on the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 192 or join our our forums over at oncepodcast.com and start your own conversations, participate in others' conversations over there. Thank you very much for supporting us in the podcast awards. The awards ceremony was held this week in Las Vegas, and we really appreciate the support. Unfortunately, none of our podcasts and none of our friends' podcasts won the awards. Well, actually, uh, maybe I think one of our friends did, but none of our own podcasts won the awards. Still, we are extremely grateful for your support. Just being nominated and a finalist in the awards was a huge honor. So thank you very much for voting for our podcast daily, for nominating us into the awards. 
We really appreciate it. And it was really a testament of how awesome you were. And just because we didn't win doesn't mean you weren't awesome enough. There are numbers games to play here (laughs) as well. But you are awesome. So thank you for voting for us in the awards. We will be back on our normal podcasting schedule this upcoming week. And we'd love your feedback for the upcoming episode. So the, the way it always works is email us your feedback with the title of that episode in the subject line of your email and send that to feedback at oncepodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or send a voice message through the website. And if you forget all of that, it's all in the show notes and on the website at oncepodcast.com slash 192. Watch for our upcoming announcement about our live in-person season finale party in the Cincinnati area on May 10th for the special two-hour season finale event. That'll be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. And if it's the series finale, oh, you better definitely try to get there. But we'll have announcements and more details about that very soon. Please connect with us on Twitter at Once Podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. And I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. Special thanks to our guest, temporary co-host for this episode, Addy Sacito from BeyondStorybrook.com. And thanks to our whole team of volunteers who make each episode of this podcast possible. Corbin for sorting our feedback, Jack writing our show notes, John Buchanan editing our episodes, Hunter and Jacqueline providing spoilers. You'll hear from them in a moment. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul moderating the forums, Jacob helping with screenshots and now helping with our show notes a little bit and uh, episode preparation, Keb managing our timeline, Ailey Scape moderating the chat room, and my fellow co-hosts and guest co-hosts for this episode. And until next time, remember, have milk. It'll help you grow big and strong. (laughs) And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be one of them, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And thank you for your support. Hi, Oncers. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time for Once Podcast. Um, Season 4, Episode 18, Sympathy for the DeVille. In fictional 1920s England, viewers meet young Cruella, whose oppressive mother uses her Dalmatians to terrorize her daughter. Cruella is confined to her mother's attic until a mysterious stranger arrives and empowers her to challenge her captor. In Storybrooke, Regina gains leverage to keep gold from interfering with her plan to rescue Robin. But her trip to New York takes a backseat when she and Emma learn that Cruella has kidnapped Henry. And this one's written by David H. Goodman and Jerome Schwartz and directed by Romeo Tyrone. Sounds interesting. Yeah. So we've got our normal guest stars that I don't need to keep rereading all their names. (laughs) But we've got Anna Galvin as Madeline. Millie Wilkinson as Young Cruella, Morgan Tanner as Dancer 1, Scott Augustine as Dancer 2, Tony Grooks as Dancer 3, Michelle Dolly as Dancer 4, Kelly Kono as Dancer 5, Julia Hardit as Dancer 6, and Jolene Brothwell as, lo and behold, 
Dancer Seven. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of dancers. Yeah. Well, maybe they just didn't give them the names. Yeah. Well, quick note for those of you who just listened to Hunter read the guest stars, Millie Wilkinson. We've seen her before, actually. She played Alice's daughter in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. If you watch that show, the last little five minutes of the series, we saw Alice and Cyrus's daughter, and she actually played her daughter. Oh, so sweet. Yeah, so it looks like they're bringing back someone that they've used before, but not that Cruella or anything actually is Alice's daughter. That would be weird. That would be weird, especially since her mom would have had... (laughs) Terrorizes her with Dalmatians. (laughs) Locks her in the attic. Yeah. Yeah. So we were lucky enough, we've got two promos. Did you want to talk about the American promo? All right. So the U.S. promo, we see a lot of Cruella and how she's determined to get what she wants. And Mm -hmm. we see that she is going to be kidnapping Henry. She forces him into the car. Yes. So she has some sort of secret. Yeah, she does. And the secret, I think, has to do with the author. There are some pretty big hints that Cruella and the author know each other. And we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, we also do see Dragon Maleficent again. Yes. And I, th- I think she's on the town line. Okay. It looked like she was out there on the town line on the road. We also do get a quick look at some Dalmatians. So we'll mm-hmm. be seeing some puppy dogs. Yep. And then we did get a Canadian promo. So we have, oh, Regina is talking about how it's not Marion and that she's telling all like the charming clan. That's how it opens up. And it looks like the author took something from Cruella and she wants it back. And she's going to physically harm him to try and get it back. Like, that always works. Yes. <laughs> and I'm going to guess that, that it's her happy ending, whatever it would be. Yeah, I think so. I think somehow the author maybe tricked her or wrote Cruella to not have a happy ending. Yeah. So speaking of the author and Cruella, we also got the promotional photos for this episode. Mm-hmm. And quite a few of them show Cruella in this 1920s fictional London with the author. And they are together at what looks like some sort of dance hall or restaurant. And they are Speakeasy Club. Speakeasy Club. Yeah, it's the 1920s. Yeah. And they are dancing together. And in one photo, she's actually kissing him on the cheek. And she's like in full on flapper dress wear. It's so cute. Total flat. I really like the dress. She looks really great. Yeah, and the whole headbands, like, it's totally 1920s. It's so cool. Yeah. And one of the things I did notice in the pictures was that the author, when they're sitting at the table with their drinks, he's got this little notebook that he's writing in. And is I'm like, is that a travel book? I think it's something like that because you also see him with the quill. Yeah. He's using the quill. So I think it's some sort of mini book. Yeah, that's kind of really cool. Like, I can travel and do this however I want. Right. <laughs> we also get to see Henry in the woods with a Dalmatian. Mm-hmm. And Snow and Charming are in another one. So I don't know if they're following him or what. And then we also see the Cruella in her current state holding a gun at someone. And it's either Henry or I'm going to guess Emma. Yeah, that's my guess too. Okay, so we've got two script teases have been released now. And we're going to have some fun with this. So... <laughs> A dramatic reenactment. <laughs> yes, a dramatic reenactment of between Rumble, so Mr. Gold and Belle. Who would you like to play? I'm going to play Rumple, of course. Okay. So you do that, then I'll do the little words, and then I'll say the other part. Hello, Belle. Belle turns to see Gold standing right beside her. Hello. 
(laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's great. It's great. And then we have another one between Regina and Emma. Who would you like to be in this one? You know, I think I want to be Regina. Okay. Why not? Whenever you're ready. Okay. Thank you. So you're not angry at me for keeping your parents secret? That's between me and them. You are only trying to help. There you go. So we got so much wonderful information from these script teases. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I love it. Okay. (laughs) Moving on, we did get a few little extra snippets here and there. We did find out from Adam Horowitz that our favorite chipped cup is coming back. Yay. Wasn't it smashed to smithereens, though? Well, Rumple fixed it at the end of season two when he had Belle drink the magic potion to restore her memories. I didn't remember that. I remember getting smashed, so. Yeah, everyone remembers it getting smashed because all our hearts broke and we were just like, no, you killed Chip. (laughs) Chip is making an appearance. Yes. And then we have a couple fun little tidbits for this next episode. So one of the questions that's really going around and being asked is, why didn't Cruella and Ursula take care of Maleficent's baby? And why didn't they age? We will find out the answer to that and the whole age thing in the first few minutes or in the beginning of this season or this episode. Yes. So we will actually get answers to that, which is nice. I was kind of wondering how they were going to deal with that. Yeah. And then did you want to talk about the next little fun bit? Okay. I do want to talk about this leaked plot point from ABC. And this was on accident in their recap For this past episode, Heart of Gold, ABC accidentally flubbed and wrote something they should not have. Now, they deleted it almost the second that they realized that they had posted it. But, of course, it's the internet and we all see it and it never dies. Correct. So what we know is that apparently for this next episode, Regina is going to take Belle's heart. No. And this actually plays back into, we think, from the press release about Regina having leverage over Mr. Gold so he can't interfere with her plans to rescue Robin Hood. Yeah. We don't know if Regina forcibly takes Belle's heart, if Belle volunteers her heart up for something, but it looks like Belle is probably going to go heartless. That's sad. Yeah. But maybe it's just for a short time being because Regina's been very good lately. Hopefully. And now we do have some wonderful casting news. (laughs) We finally have our adult version of Lily, Angus Buckner, Bruckner, sorry, from The Return. And we will get to see her first on April 26th, and that will be the episode Lily. Yeah. And, of course, this doesn't come, I think, as a surprise to anyone. No. Because we've well, been predicting that Bruckner would be playing adult Lily for a while. Yes. So, <laughs> but it's nice to have official confirmation. Right, and it's about time they officially announced it because this episode's already been filmed. Yeah. Speaking of filmed episodes, we want to tease some photos from set from episode 19, Lily, and then episode 20, Mother. Okay. We do know that Emma and Regina are going to go in search of Robin Hood and also Lily because they come back to Storybrooke with all of them. Yay! Lily, uh, I'm sorry, Emma and Regina find Lily and... It's kind of a little confusing. We're not quite sure how this plays out, but it looks like Emma and Regina find Lily while Lily and her daughter are in the process of committing some kind of crime. Okay. 
And we're not quite sure what happens with this daughter, if it's really her daughter or if it's just some kid she's using. But look for It's Henry's new love interest. That's basically what I think. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. I'm actually expecting this daughter to be named Henrietta or something because they really want to drive home the parallel. Yeah. But when Lily arrives in Storybrooke, she and Maleficent will be having a reunion. And there is a lot of cold shoulder between Lily and Snow White and Prince Charming. So it looks like... I wonder why. Yeah, really. It looks like nothing's really been forgiven yet. And we've got more fun, exciting stuff coming, but we're going to... We're spreading it out for you guys so you guys get fun stuff every week. And you said you have some more extra stuff? Yeah, I want to talk about sweeps, which are coming up, obviously, for the last couple episodes. This is when TV shows really hit home some high some high drama. And TV Line does this every year where they tease certain categories and then fans watch to see what categories their show landed into. Matt Midovich over at TV Line has said that Once Upon a Time will fit into at least four or five of their categories. I think that Once Upon a Time is a key candidate for three of these. Okay. I definitely think that Captain Swan will be saying I love you for the first time somewhere near the end of this season. That's a given. Yep. I do think that one of the new pregnancies on the show is going to be on Once Upon a Time, and I think it's going to be Regina. Yeah. I'm really starting to believe that they're going to make Regina pregnant. Well, I think so because they did such a big showing that she and robin got together yes like and then they flashed forward six weeks or nine weeks and most of the time like that kind of stuff kind of means something's coming baby okay and then this and we have also have an episode called mother so i mean Mm -hmm. and then we're gonna leave you on this note because we'll pick up with this next time but i think number of possible fatalities and deaths is Once Upon a Time, and I am going to state right now that I think Emma Swan and Rumpelstiltskin will die in the season finale. Whether or not they stay dead, we don't know. (laughs) It's a magical land, so. Yes. Or even a part of them could die. Yeah. But there will be a death. That's what I think. Yep. Well, it looks like that's all we have for you this week. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me on Twitter at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. Until next time, oncers. 